Our mission is to discuss extraction, processing, business practices, and lessons learned with the established experts of the extraction process. This is Mission Supercritical, a service of Apex Supercritical, the leading CO2 extraction equipment manufacturer. Now, here to navigate our broadcast is a U.S. Navy veteran and the founder and president of Apex Supercritical, Andy Joseph. Welcome to Mission Supercritical, an exclusive radio show that highlights the extraordinary individual success stories of Apex Supercritical's more than 500 customers operating in the cannabis industry today. I'm your host, Andy Joseph, president and founder of Apex Supercritical. Thank you for joining our show. Today's guest, we've got Kristen Joseph, a familiar last name, and that's for a reason. Kristen is uh, the director of quality here at Apex Supercritical, and we're also a husband and wife team who who manage and own Apex Supercritical together. So welcome to the show, Kristen. Thank you. Are you trying to hide the contempt in your voice, Andy? (laughs) There was was no contempt there, just love. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right? Just Uh, love. So first uh, first and foremost, Kristen, today is International Women's Day. So uh, thank you for being a woman and uh, being, you know, a contributor to Apex Supercritical. Contributor? That's fancy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. All right, so so Kristen, let's uh, let's start out here. You know, obviously uh, we we know each other pretty well, but I don't think uh, all of our listeners do. So let's let's start out a little bit with your background and you know where where you where you got um, your knowledge and and information and you know kind of the topic area here, which is ASTM D thirty seven specifically, um, where we're going to talk about you know, cannabis committees and standardization that kind of stuff. So talk to me a little bit about your your background. Tell everybody you know where you come from. Sure. So I went to Ohio State University to get my metallurgical engineering degree and subsequently worked at EWI, Edison Welding Institute, after that. I started off as a technician in the testing lab and ended up as an engineer in the materials group. I got into the AWS committees at that point, which is the American Welding Society who writes the standards for welding wires that you would buy if you're welding anything. Uh, I, I got into those committees when I was working at EWI and that really started my trek into the world of committees, which can be a, a super useful one, certainly really good to help shape the industry and provide any knowledge that you receive in your own job along to the industry that you're influencing. So just to tell me a little bit more, you, so you're a medical engineer, you go to Ohio State University. What does that mean? What's it mean to be a metallurgical, metallurgical engineer? Uh, so my freshman year, I will tell you, first of all, we're all grouped as engineers your freshman year. And when we all talk about our majors, and I said metallurgical, one guy said, what are you going to do with that? Make golf clubs? <laughs> and I wanted to punch that guy in the face because that's ridiculous. Um, what you do with a metallurgical engineering degree is you analyze metals. Failure analysis is probably one of the super fun things you get to do with metallurgical engineering analyze parts and why they failed and that sort of thing. But another thing you can do is just look at microstructure and figure out how to make something better or pick a component that might work better. For example, with our systems, we use stainless steel. You know, what if we wanted to say, hey, we need something that's more corrosion resistant. Now, stainless steel is incredibly corrosion resistant. I'm just using that for an example, but a metallurgical engineer would 
try to help someone and find a material that worked better for them in their application. Right. So you, you, you pick out, you know, metals that, uh, that have appropriate properties and, and apply them to different applications. And, you know, you, you as a metallurgical engineer and myself as a, as a welding engineer, you know, there's, there's a lot of overlap. And, uh, you know, working at, at EWI, you got yourself into a, a lot of different opportunities to use your metallurgical engineering degree. Let's start on the technical side, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about how that led to the standards and codes committees that, that really drive where you're doing right now in the cannabis space. But, you know, when you're at EWI, what was what was you know one of the cooler things that you got to inspect and or you know use your metallurgical engineering knowledge for? Uh, so probably my favorite thing to use my metallurgical knowledge for was corrosion. I thought corrosion was pretty awesome. So we worked with a company out of Houston on bolts. They were having problems with their bolts fracturing at the head and they wanted to know, you know, why this was happening. And they couldn't tell just from looking at the failed bolt. So we came up with some experiments to try to determine uh, worst case scenario applications of these bolts. In other words, when they put them in service, if they have a spike in something in the uh, anode current that's going through, will this cause a fracture early? And so th that was probably the most fun was that experiment. So, so, and and you come from a long line of of you know metallurgical knowledge here. It was, it's worth mentioning your dad in this whole thing. Um, you know, what, what's to, what's his role in the metallurgical world? Uh, so, my dad has been in the welding wire industry for decades. He's been manufacturing uh, welding wire for many, many years with many different companies. Flux cord wire is, is his specialty, and that's he certainly made a mark there for sure. Right, and, and that's that's all about metallurgy, right? I mean, welding welding is you know it's almost a, a specialty in metallurgical uh, in the in metallurgical, metallurgical engineering, uh, just because of the fact that you're basically forging or creating new microstructures and new chemistries every time you make a weld. Um, so that, that's got its own little specialty there. Um, all right. So, uh, you know, I think it's uh, it's it's worth talking about the technology side of it. But then, you know, at EWI, you found yourself in a unique position where, you know, you have a passion for codes and, and uh, standards and that kind of stuff. How, when did you first start to get involved in, in codes and standards? Uh, so my mentor that I worked with, his name was Tom McGoey, and he was on the committees. And while I was working with him, he suggested going to a committee meeting or two because it was a good way to gain knowledge and continue to impart knowledge. That's how I started getting into it. So I started off small. I think I, I participated in maybe one committee at first. And committees are actually not um, easy to get active participants in. You can get people that sign up and they'll make comments every now and then but it's hard to get active participants. So I found that being an active participant got me invited on more and more committees in AWS. So I just kind of started with one and went up to 10 or 12 from there. Right, and, and AWS is American Welding Society. So it, it's it's worth talking a little bit about, you know, codes and, and standards and stuff. And, and just for, for reference for the audience there, I, I find codes and standards to be probably one of the most boring topics on the planet. Um, 
it's not very fun to do and that's why i think Kristen, as you mentioned there you don't see a whole lot of participation uh and they they, they really um they they latch on to you if you if you do participate um but it's got a ton of opportunity you know if you're if you're willing to put in the time as they're most are all of them if not all of them are voluntary if you're willing to put in the time then you get the opportunity to really kind of set the stage right you know the, the standard is just like what sounds it's what people tend to follow and so if you're in a position where you're you're guiding and, and influencing the standards you can really have a ton of, of influence over how the industry operates um and and you know what people consider to be good uh and bad I, um so you know you have that influence in, in an aws now there's this new committee called aws d37 um that's just getting this you know just kind of getting off the ground are you are you finding yourself in a position with you know codes and standards background through aws really being able to have the same influence on this this new astm d37 committee so Influence, sure, but frankly, at this stage of the ASTM committee, I think it's a lot of us all listening to each other and trying to do the right thing for this industry. Uh, You know, AWS, when I was in those committees, it was a pretty established industry. We're, We're always learning new things. Things are always evolving, but it was pretty established. So... I was learning a little bit, able to put in a little bit, but with this ASTM committee being new and really trying to bring everyone together so that we have one set of standards, it's a lot of us all listening to each other and trying to figure out what the best direction for cannabis is. Okay, so so ASTM, how long have they been around? About 30, 40, I don't know, 100 years? How long, how long has ASTM been around? I don't know how long ASTM has been around. You're supposed to, you're supposed to know this kind of stuff. I gave you the, the prep sheet. Yeah. The interview here. Do, you, <laughs> do you know how long ASTM has been around? Uh, ASTM's been around for somewhere between 100 and 110 years. And um, I don't know that for sure. I think it's around 100 years. But they've been around for a very long time and, and set standards for lots of different stuff, you know, all the way from from baby diaper production to materials testing to cannabis. Um, you know, the, lots and lots and lots of standards have been, been written by different committees um, that, that ASTM hosts. Um, so it was actually, I thought, kind of cool that when they picked up cannabis, you know, it, it being federally illegal and, and, you know, a lot of large organizations, large companies tend to shy away for both perception issues as well as fear of, of federal regulation or regulatory issues and, and things like that. I was actually quite pleasantly surprised when I saw ASTM step up and, and start to form a, a code committee like this because it, it's desperately needed. And um, so D37 is, is the committee. Which ones are you sitting on at the moment? I am on uh, the processing, the quality, and the terminology. Okay. And so what's that mean to, what's that mean to a layperson, right? So somebody who's in the cannabis industry, um, you know, I, I don't think most people are going to understand what any of this stuff means. What What's it means to the, the layperson in the cannabis space? What does being on the D37 committee mean, or what does it mean once it's going to come out and, and be published? What's it, what's it mean when it, once it comes out and when it's published? So when it's published, it simply means that instead of all of us, you know, trying to follow our own thing and maybe picking different things to go by, we'll have one set of standards to go by. In other words, if I'm, if I'm a patient 
and I want to go to a dispensary and pick out a product, I won't have to look at 10 different labels of the same product from 10 different manufacturers. They'll all have the same label. It'll be like going to the grocery store and picking out a box of cereal. That's, you know, a little extreme, but I think you get the analogy. Um, so it'll be helpful for patients because they'll have comparison labels to look at, comparable labels to look at. Uh, right, for, as a for, test, for like when you're talking like testing and, and how much THC is in it and stuff like that. Right, right. Content and nutritional information and THC and CBD and anything else that people know is important to that patient or just that user. Okay, okay. And, and so, you know, you... you as, as you know, a member on this this code committee, you you formulate along with the, the rest of the members in the committee, you formulate a standard, right? And if we if we pick something specific like labeling, for instance, the the committee says, okay, these are the things that that labels for products, you know, whether they're vaporizing pens or whatever, these are the things you know labels things that they should contain, and you know. How much, you know, where, how much THC, how much CBD, terpene content, uh, warning labels, that, that kind of stuff. And the, the committee agrees to kind of a, um, you know, this is what we think the standard for a label should be. And then, you know, offers that to industry. Now, does, does you know, does industry have to accept it, right? That's that's kind of the, you know, one of the, one of the questions that that's going to have to really, really be embraced is, you know, ASTM forms committee does all this work to make a standard, but who cares? Does anybody actually accept it? And that's that's going to be the uh, the topic here of our of the next portion of our of our conversation. But uh, let's take a quick break first, and then we'll talk. We'll regroup for more mission supercritical after we hear from our sponsors. At Alternative Vibes, our core values of quality, loyalty, respect, and honesty guides us in our mission to help families find peace and harmony through our products and services. Whether you are looking for a more natural way of living, shopping for essential oils, topicals, and edibles, or searching for a path towards achieving your goals, we are your choice. Learn more about our complete line of natural products and solutions at AlternativeVibes.com. Bringing quality of living to life. AlternativeVibes.com. Cannabis concentrates have been around for hundreds of centuries. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. Time to extract more knowledge on Mission Supercritical. 
only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, welcome back to Mission Supercritical. Again, today's guest, Mrs. Kristen Joseph, Director of Quality here at Apex Supercritical, as well as my lovely wife. Welcome to the show, Kristen. I think I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> and, and once again, happy International Women's Day. Oh, my gosh. Please stop it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so we're, we're talking about ASTM, uh, you know, the, the codes and standards. ASTM is, you know, one of the probably the, the dominant codes and standards writing committees. You know, they, they write codes and standards for lots of different stuff. Recently introduced the, the cannabis code. And so now we're, we're um, you know, in a position where we, we can we can have some influence and Kristen you're a, a member of several of the, the committees within the codes and standards but you know what we were talking about before once the codes and standards are, are written by STM and, and you know folks like yourselves who, who essentially donate your time to put this stuff together how do you get the industry to adopt them and, and actually take them on and embrace them so frankly it's going to be the market it's going to be the consumers that dictate people using this ASTM standard. Um, you know, it's going to start off by someone, again, going into a dispensary and saying, this isn't, this doesn't have ASTM on it. And that might sound strange, but when you think about it, like Andy said earlier, things like diapers have ASTM standards and things like toys, when we were having the, well, we probably still are, but the problem with toys coming in with lead in them, they're not going by ASTM standards and that's a problem. And right. so the, the simplest thing you see is a crown, right? It's almost every crown has ASTM specification written on the side of it. So when your, your kid eats the crown, they don't get poisoned by it. Right, exactly. So once people start to say, I want my products to be ASTM, then that's when the industry is going to have to go towards ASTM. How about the, how about regulatory bodies? Do you, do you see any regulatory bodies adopting it? Like the, you know, the state of Washington or the state of California or something like that? So you can't really even adopt it yet because we're just at the very beginning stages of writing the codes. We don't even have written standards that have been published yet. Okay. So, and, and, but I mean, once they're, once they're written, ideally, I think, you know, if a, if a state would adopt it, then it becomes mandatory, right? Then companies have to abide by it. Is, is that right? If the state would dictate it, yes, the companies would have to abide by it. As anybody who's been through the lovely process of applying state by state in the cannabis industry, you have to abide by what the state tells you to abide by. Um, certainly, so the great thing about ASTM standards in general is they they give you guidelines and you fill in the blanks. So in other words, ASTM has great guidelines. It's going to give you um, some great things to follow in your manufacturing process, but it's not going to tie your hands so much that you're going to be very strict in what you can utilize. In other words, if you don't want to use a seed to sale software, you can decide to put everything in an Excel spreadsheet or access database and, and go along your merry way. It's just going to tell you that you have to track inventory and um, have traceability and be able to do a recall and things like that. So you don't think the specifications are going to get detailed enough for a state to really adopt them and say, this is what, you know, packaging, as with the example we were using before, this is what packaging has to look like. So I think they'll say what you need to put on your packaging, another, you know, like you were saying before, terpenes or things like that, but they're not going to dictate it has to be size 12 font times New Roman, black and white only. You know, they'll they'll just say 
they'll just say that it needs to be with the, these items on it. Okay. Right. So, so you and I uh, attended the the most recent ASTMD thirty seven committee down in uh, New Orleans um, last month. Um, again, mind numbingly boring. I, I can't tell you, that, you know, just how incredibly boring it is. It, it to, was to not mind numbingly boring. <laughs> it was terrible. It was uh, not. It, uh, well, and so that's that's the that's kind of the point here is that you know it it, uh, it takes passion, right? You have to have a lot of passion for doing this kind of stuff, and uh, it is not my passion. So I uh, I got the opportunity to be the uh, the quote unquote wife uh, in this kind of thing. So um, I thought it was kind of funny that I got invited to attend the the wife's uh, the wives outing um, as as Kristen's guest or spouse. Yeah, you did. <laughs> and, and the wives outing would go through, you know, go on a tour of New Orleans and, and uh, you know, have the brunch and, and sip tea in the afternoon and that kind of stuff. So I, I, uh, I, I enjoyed being uh, being the, the spouse for, for once in, once in an opportunity here. But uh, nonetheless, you know, now, the wait a minute. Me, you don't you don't know what they did. Maybe they went down Bourbon Street. Yeah, right. Maybe they maybe they had a bunch of drinks on Bourbon Street. <laughs> well, I'm going to find out next time because uh, sitting through those co-committee meetings was just mind-numbingly boring. I wanted to poke my eye out, um, but you enjoyed, you thoroughly enjoyed all of them and, and had a had a fun time at it. Uh, where I'm going with this is you weren't the only one. There were a lot of people there. I mean, I, what do you think? There was 100, maybe 200 people at the at the meetings. Um, I'm going to guess for the entire D37, which is the um, the umbrella standard, if you will, it was probably a hundred people. Yeah. And there were several countries, you know, um, England and I think a country or two in Europe. So it, it wasn't just in the U S. Right. Right. And, and, you know, one of the things that, uh, that actually, you know, kind of did, uh, did learn that I didn't realize is, you know, ASTM as a, as the body really just sets up kind of the, the program, right. The foundation, the process, maybe is the best way to say it, um, for, for entities that want to write codes and standards and, and how to do it. So, you know, ASTM doesn't actually say this is what should be on the label. This isn't what should be on the label. They bring the people together who know what's important and what's not important. And then give them a you know a process and a mechanism to be able to develop a codes and standards fairly, so that you know there's input from from all aspects of the industry and also balanced competition. You know I think uh, you know Chris and you you and I and going back to the welding industry here got to see firsthand you know what can happen in a in a more um, mature industry and in particular you know lincoln electric is a powerhouse in the welding world and you know they've got members on just about every welding code committee that there is um and they do that so that they can drive the codes and standards to to match their business model their products um make make something like i remember the 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 electronic platform to capture data was a big deal because they were trying to push their platform as the standard which would obviously give them a, a you know a leg up in the industry um and you know ASTM, or I guess that was actually AWS, didn't really you know put up a fight. They just said, hey, look, if if other folks, other members of the industry don't like it, then you're going to have to come on the code committee and and you know impart your influence that way. Um, I, I I think that that was pretty cool, and you know I, I like to see that, and I, I think that's something that people really need to understand about these codes and standards is if you if you want input, if you want something to be different, you got to step up and do it, even though it's mind-numbingly boring. That was a nice 
uh, little <laughs> part at the end there, Andy. <laughs> you're, you're really selling it, man. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it is a great thing about the standards. And, you know, ASTM and, and AWS was good at this as well. But ASTM is great in the fact that they do revisions. I think it's every two years. Don't quote me on that because I haven't looked it up in a while. But so in other words, it's not like this first spec will come out and people will go, oh, now I'm stuck with this for 10 years or whatever. It, it's going to get revised in two years. It has to, or everyone on the committee just says it doesn't need revised. But even if you don't want to join the committee, you can still contact someone on the committee and say, hey, you know, this is not, this needs to be changed because of this. And if, you know, if the two of you come to an agreement, the person can take that to the rest of the committee and the committee can vote on it and get it done. So you can still have an influence whether you're on the committee or go to what Andy calls the boring meetings or not. <laughs> Mind-numbingly mind boring meetings. I'm sorry, the mind-numbingly boring <laughs> meetings. All right. All right. Well, so, uh, all right. Well, uh, we're going to take another quick break. Uh, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, since it's International Women's Day, we're going to talk about what it's like to be a, a woman in a you know predominantly male industry. And you've actually had a unique experience in, in being in a you know manufacturing environment where there's you know not a ton of women and uh, in, in, you know the welding experience, but also here in the cannabis industry, there's there's not you know as strong of a, of a woman's presence um, as there are in some others. So we'll uh, we'll talk about you know from a woman's perspective, what is it like to work in a in a more male dominated industry and, and you know how you can do something about it we'll regroup for more mission supercritical after we hear from our sponsors the smoke is rising and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network, CannabisRadio.com. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the hosts of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is him pink, that's the point Download and play while you light yourself a joint the business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. 
Time to extract more knowledge on Mission Supercritical, only on CannabisRadio.com. Okay, welcome back to Mission Supercritical. Again, we've got Mrs. Kristen Joseph, Director of Quality at Apex Supercritical, uh, on the uh, on the line today. So we talked a lot about code committees, and uh, you know, we also talked about it being International Women's Day. And you know, I think it's pretty cool that um, you know the, there's a day to celebrate all the uh, all the women. But I want to talk a little bit about industry, right? What it's like to be a woman in a you know kind of male dominated world, um, and that's particularly manufacturing, not just you know cannabis world, but uh, you know manufacturing and welding. Um, even in engineering, you know, back going back to high state, you know, there there weren't a ton of women in engineering. Um, how's it, is it? Is it good? Is it bad? Is there is there advantages, disadvantages? Tell tell us your perspective. Uh, so I might be in the minority, but I've personally never had a problem being a woman in a male-dominated industry. I find that working with women sometimes can um, be more of a hassle than working with men. Uh, men are a little bit easier to work with, and it it kind of went through my whole college career that way. It went through my uh, career at EWI that way. And it seems to be working, you know, the same way in the cannabis industry. And frankly, I don't see that working with a man versus working with a woman really makes any difference. It's really about the personalities that you work with and more about professionalism and that sort of thing than it is man versus woman. So do you, do you think that you've ever been in a situation where you didn't get a fair shake just because you're a woman? Um, other, than, that, other than being my wife, right? So, I mean, you know, you, you obviously had an advantage in that situation, but, you know. <laughs> I don't, uh, no, I think that makes me more disliked that I'm your wife <laughs> than it does get special treatment. <laughs> uh, no, no, I've never been at a disadvantage. If, if I would ever think that I've been at a disadvantage, it's been my own doing. Um, I just can't think of a time when it was, oh, well, you're not getting this because you're a woman. I haven't had that experience. Um, I've had the experience where if I stay quiet and don't speak up for myself about something, I won't get what I want. But that's just learning a lesson in you can't stay quiet. You have to talk about something if you want something in your workplace. And how about how about people, you know, assuming that because you're a woman, you don't know something, you don't have technical aptitude. You ever ran into that? I have run into that, but it's kind of fun because I'm amused when I say something that they actually, that the other person might think is uh, knowledgeable and they're, they're baffled by the fact that they got something useful out of my words. But, but again, that's, that's a personality thing. Women have that too. It's not just men. Women have the same uh, sense about people that men do in that, you know, oh, that person doesn't know anything. And I don't think that's a man or woman thing. So uh, I don't know. I don't understand what you mean. Uh, sorry. In other words, there have definitely been times when people don't think I know anything. Maybe it's because I'm a woman, but the people that think I don't know anything have sometimes been men and sometimes been women. It's not strictly mm -hmm. men that think that. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so what do you do to overcome it? You know what I mean? When, when man or woman for that matter, you know, what, what do you do to overcome it? 
much like with any personality, you just have to prove them wrong. So frankly, I guess I can understand the, those people a little bit in that I'm a cynical person. And so I like to see data and repeated performance and that sort of thing. So I get that those people, frankly, have no opinion until they have some evidence against one opinion or another. So just you just provide information that's good and you'll earn respect eventually. What uh, what advice would you give to the younger generation of women that are that are coming into the world today that, that you know aspire to be professionals? Um, particularly in a techni- technical world, not so much just you know general workplace, but in, specifically in a technical profession. Um, I'd say work hard and don't take anything personally. It's business. It's not personal. Work hard, speak up, and keep things professional. And what if what if you are at a disadvantage? What how do you what would you do about it? What would you what would you what would you recommend? You know, a young woman professional or a young woman looking to get into a professional technical area, if they find themselves in, you know where they think they might be in a disadvantaged position, what should they do about it? Uh, so, if they truly think they're in a disadvantaged position, I would say honestly, you know, go speak to HR. Someone in HR, they can help you. If you don't feel like your direct supervisor is doing anything for you, and that supervisor has you at a disadvantage, you need to go speak to someone who can actually help you. Or if you feel like, hey, you know, this just isn't the place for me, go look. There are plenty of jobs out there. Go find something that you're passionate about. And that's that's really the most important thing because if you're passionate about your job, it will be great to go to every day. It'll be easy and it'll be just much easier in general. Right, right. No, I agree. And that's, you know, that's, that's a lesson that we'll have to teach our, uh, our daughters at some point in time, you know. They're, they're not at a disadvantage because they're a woman. They're at a disadvantage because they didn't take the time to learn, become knowledgeable, didn't take the time to speak up uh, and, and, you know, say what they want to do. You know, if they've tried that stuff and they're still at a disadvantage, you know, then that's the time to go to HR. But, you know, I, I think there's there's a, a lot of assumptions that come from, you know, um, I'm just at a disadvantage because I'm a woman, and that's not the case at all. So I, I think that's a, a really great point. Um, all right, so so last uh, last topic here. We didn't talk much about your position at Apex, but you know what what do you do here at Apex? So at Apex, I recently took on the role of director of quality, and that that kind of has many things going on. You know, one thing is we're going to get ISO 9001 certified this year, so hitting that task up making sure that gets done correctly and gets maintained correctly. Uh, we're going to get CRN this year, so that's also something that I'm going to be a part of. We have our ASME stamp already, maintaining that and improving things whenever I can there. And then also one thing I've really been trying to focus on is just improving our overall customer experience. So I'm starting with things that I can hear are our shipping, for example, how we create our systems and the accessories that go with that. You know, our shipping box needed some help. The accessories box, where all the accessories go, needed some help getting organized. I worked with Tara, who heads up our marketing, and we came up with a pretty slick way to reorganize that, and we're continuously improving that as we move along. So things like that. Nice. That's great. And any good feedback so far from customers? 
we get good feedback from customers. Yeah, it's it's not on those accessory boxes yet, so I don't have anything specific for you there yet, but we get good feedback on Instagram. Um, we get good feedback through some customer surveys. We get some feedback via email. Um, it's Things are moving in a positive direction for sure. That's great. That's great. All right. Well, Kristen, unfortunately, we're uh, we're out of time. Um, I'd like to thank you for being a guest on Mission Supercritical. If someone wanted to get a hold of you, how might they go about doing it? They can call me or email me at here at Apex. Do you want me to say those things or? Yeah. <laughs> yes. What is your phone okay. number? What is your email address? <laughs> My phone number is seven four zero eight zero nine one one six one. And my email address is Kristen J at apexsupercritical.com. And that's A-P-E-K-S for, for those of you who may not be familiar with it. So, all right. Thanks, Kristen. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for being a guest on Mission Supercritical today. For everybody else out there, look for other Mission Supercritical shows to learn more about Apex Supercritical's more than 500 customers operating in the cannabis industry today. We hope you can join us. And until then, happy extracting. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.